aerial application has been a growing industry in Wisconsin for the past 25 years. The industry has evolved from using radial engine airplanes to using turbine-powered airplanes that are designed and built specifically for aerial application. I'm Charity Seebecker from the Midwest Farm Report. Jim Perrin, owner of AgriCare Flying Service, provides a first-hand look into how the aerial application industry is doing. So my wife and I uh, actually flew at this operation when it was Farmers Flying Service, or I flew at this operation when it was Farmers Flying Service back in the uh, early 90s. And I had an opportunity to buy a business in uh, Illinois. So my wife and I uh, decided we'd go down to Northwest Illinois. And I flew down there for one one season as a hired pilot and then bought an operation at the end of that season. And then a little later, we bought a couple more operations. So we ended up owning a, a couple of operations there in Illinois. In the early 2000s, 2000 and 2001, we had a chance to uh, sell our operations in Illinois and move home to Wisconsin buy this business here in Bancroft, Wisconsin. So that's how we ended up back here. And uh, since then, we've gone from a couple of piston engine airplanes to now we run four turbine-powered airplanes, three 500-gallon airplanes, and one 400-gallon airplane. On a decent day, we can do between 2,000 and 2,500 acres per airplane. You know, so over the course of the year, I would say a Midwest operation is looking at somewhere, you know, I'm just talking in generalities here, and obviously it changes from, you know, a one helicopter operator to a five fixed wing airplane operator. But I would say on average, the Midwest operators are covering around 150 to 200,000 acres a year. So what are you most commonly spraying for right now? The majority of our business here in the Central Sands is vegetables. So it's pretty evenly split on an acreage basis between potatoes and sweet corn. But we also do a lot of carrots, green beans, cabbage, peas primarily vegetable crop rotation here in the central sand. How is the demand for agricultural aviation operators in Wisconsin? The demand has been up pretty consistently now for, I would say, going on, seems like a steady growth now for about 25 years. It's been a long time since we've really been, felt like we were caught up, I guess. It's been a pretty steady increase in the demand. Has the drought or other weather-related events affected this at all? Yeah, the drought the drought was pretty scary here a couple of weeks ago. Several friends of mine throughout the Dakotas and the I states, here in Wisconsin in particular, you know, we were all getting pretty concerned about it, uh, all the way down through, say, uh, Tennessee and Arkansas. But recently we've had some rains that have, in some cases, actually surpassed. They've gone from severe drought to, to eight inches of rain overnight. Um, so we've, we've kind of caught back up. And uh, several of my friends throughout the Midwest for instance, I had a good friend of mine in Iowa that was talking about just leaving one airplane in the in the hangar and not pulling it out, and he called me the, the other day looking for help. So the demand has come back with the rain. So I think the uh, the operators in the Midwest are still going to be pretty busy, even though there's still still pockets of severe drought. Like for instance, right here where I'm at in the in the sand, it'll take quite a bit of rain to fix where we're at today. So with that growing demand, are there enough pilots to be able to meet that? Uh, frankly, no. We weren't really affected by the pilot shortage early on, but the uh, pilot shortage at the airlines, at the corporate level, at the regional, that kind of thing, that's all gobbled up manpower. So now the pilot shortage throughout aviation, no matter what part of aviation you're talking about, the pilot shortage is, is real. How can someone become a agricultural aviation operator? The minimum requirement is a commercial pilot's license which takes a minimum of 250 hours to get. There's obviously a demand for tailwheel proficiency. 
if I was starting from scratch, I would recommend to someone that they would need to uh, uh, get to their commercial pilot's license minimum standard and also to get a lot of tailwheel time. And there are some schools out there. There's some pretty good ones throughout the U.S. and Canada. Some of the schools are obviously a little better than others, in my opinion, but we have seen some increases in the professionalism at the school level that's uh, pretty exciting to see. Should they start with a certain plane and work their way up, or how does that look to really learn the ropes in this case? One of the crunches that we're having in our industry is that when I started, we started with smaller airplanes and slower airplanes, and frankly, a lot of those airplanes just don't exist in the numbers today that they existed when I started. So back in the old days, we were able to start in Pawnees or Cessnas, and we still try to do that, but those airplanes have become, you know, they've become older and they've become harder to find. And operationally, when you're running a bunch of turbines, the little piston engine airplane actually sometimes doesn't fit real well. So it takes a lot of consideration to put that airplane into the operation to start someone. What is the draw or benefit for somebody to become a pilot? What would you say to them to help kind of grow the amount of pilots to meet this demand? For me personally, I grew up in agriculture. So part of the draw for me was aviation and part of the, the draw for me was agriculture. So it was a pretty natural fit for me. I like being around the farm, on farms, dealing with farmers. And I would say that that's a pretty common theme throughout the industry. It's got some great benefits if you're a, a hunter, an ice fisher, or a snowmobiler, or you just want to go south for the winter. It's got some good benefits to be a crop duster in Wisconsin. Economically, it's it's not a bad bad job. And I think that the diversity of the work that we do day in and day out is what you know, really is a draw for me. You're also involved in the National Agricultural Aviation Association. So being involved in that, how does Wisconsin compare to some of the other states that you interact with? We've got a lot of similarities and a lot of differences. Obviously, you know, uh, rice operation in Louisiana is going to be completely different than a potato operation in Wisconsin. But we've got a lot of similarities with the vegetable growers, say, in uh, California or the Dakotas or down in the southern states. There's a lot of information exchange that is similar, but there, like I said, again, there's some diversity. For instance, one of my pilots went out to California this spring to uh, seed rice by air. So totally different operation than what we would ever see here in Wisconsin, obviously. With the growing popularity of drone technology, is that a threat to you guys at all, or are you slowly bridging into that? I know helicopters are not cheap, just like every other piece of machinery and equipment that agriculture people use. So how does that affect your business? We haven't really been impacted by it. Most of the work that we do here in the Central Sands is pretty high volume. So we really haven't felt the impact from the, the drones at this point. But I do believe they're a tool, just like the ground rig is, just like the airplane is, just like the helicopter is. Each one of those tools fits the bill a little bit differently. You know, we do a lot of high volume, pretty decent sized fields. So the fixed wing airplane works really well here pretty economically. There is a helicopter here in the Central Sands that we contract quite a bit to do some of our work, and that helicopter does a fantastic job in some of the more urban areas or some of the tighter fields. And then uh, I think that drone is just going to be one more step in that. In fact, we've got a T-40 drone you know, in our operation. In fact, we're just, just bringing it online as we speak. And I think it's a tool that we can use to pull the airplane out of maybe some tight corners and add to pilot safety is really what our goal is with the drone. So is there anything else that you would like to share that you would like people to know about agriculture, aviation, your business, or just the industry as a whole? 
Well, the industry's changed an awful lot since I started in it. When I started in aerial application, it was radial engine airplanes. Some of them were leftover airplanes from World War II. There was very few purpose-built airplanes. And now today we're flying you know, airplanes that were designed and built specifically for ag aviation. There's several GPSs on the airplane that help control, you know, help guide us as to where we're going to spray the next path. It has got GPSs that control valves. So if I'm going across the field with a tailwind, one direction, the airplane puts out more product to compensate for the speed. If I'm coming back across the field the other direction into the wind and the airplane's going a little bit slower, it cuts the rate. We've got a lot of boom and nozzle technology that's coming online right now, and pretty excited about that. At some point soon, I think we're probably going to see a semi-autonomous spray system inside the manned aircraft, just like uh, the drone has, only it'll be a manned aircraft, so it'll be a, with size, it'll be a little bit uh, cheaper to obtain. Once the drones get to the same size as the airplanes, the cost of them is probably going to equal or surpass manned aircraft, just like we've seen with the military. You can buy an F-16 and put somebody in it, or you can buy you know, the next-gen fighter that's going to be unmanned and it's going to cost a lot more. So I think that's kind of the, the thing people don't realize is how much technology is riding around inside the cockpit. And the one thing I'd want to convey to the neighbors is, is that, you know, we really don't like waking people up or making a lot of noise or, you know, necessarily flying over someone's house. I would say that the vast majority of us are simply out there trying to do a, the best job we can for the grower and do a job as professionally as we can. And sometimes the, the noise and the speed are disconcerting to folks next door. You know, nobody's out there trying to do that intentionally. That was Jim Perrin, owner of AgriCare Flying Service. While the industry is evolving and demand is picking up, the need for more operators becomes apparent. From the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Charity Seebecker.